Welcome to the Beyond Sugar Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Dame, holistic nutrition coach and speaker. Together, we'll be diving into much more than just another conversation around sugar addiction and nutrition. But more importantly, I'll be guiding you through the inner work and spiritual healing that lies at the root of your unhealthy habits with food. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another incredible episode here on the Beyond Sugar Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Dame, sugar freedom expert and somatic embodiment coach. And we are continuing the deep dive conversations into really deeply healing our relationship with food here on the show. As you know, we love going into the root causes and into the deeper reasons why we binge on sugar and we get in these addictive cycles with food. So today, I'm really excited to share with you the four best practices that you can implement this week in your life that are going to help you actually create sustainable long-term success in a healthy relationship with food. And these are practices that we don't often talk about. We don't often think about. These are not just habits. And we're going to actually talk about that uh, a little bit later when we get into this episode. But these are four pieces that have really made a massive impact in my relationship with healing food and healing my relationship with myself. And since implementing these with my clients have also made just massive shifts and changes in the way that we see ourselves and ultimately the way that we see food and use food in our everyday life. So as we know, there's some deep reasons why we use food, right? And we reach for food, especially with, um, you know, eating disorders and binging patterns, addictive tendencies, all of these things are wrapped up in some very deep rooted uh, pieces, which we talk a lot about here on the podcast. So today I want to share four best practices with you that are free, that are pretty simple to do. They're not always easy, but they're simple. And you can literally start implementing these right away in your life. So how does that sound? Does that sound good? Sounds really good to me. Now, before we actually get into that, I wanted to take a quick moment to send some major gratitude to all of you who are listening. This show would not exist without each of you who tune in every week or once a month or however frequent you're listening to the show. And the most important way uh, that you can give back to help keep me going to help keep this show going is by leaving a five-star review either on Spotify or on Apple. And I wanted to take a minute to uh, really share and send some major gratitude to a recent reviewer of the show, a recent listener. So queen of the wild frontier, thank you for your review. And I'm so, so deeply grateful. Uh, She shares, wow, Danny, you really have created a podcast for the mind, body, and soul. I find it so refreshing to hear in each podcast the connection between spirituality and body. I am grateful for you sharing this wisdom with me and the world. I actually found your podcast through a different podcast where you were interviewed, and I thought, I love this girl. So I followed you here, and thank you so much for sharing this content. Oh, wow. It's just comments and feedback like that that keep me going. And I'm so, so grateful. Thank you, Queen of the Wild Frontier. Love that name, by the way. So beautiful. And for everyone else who is listening along, just so much deep gratitude. 
You're the reason why I do the work that I do and the reason why I show up here every week with interviews and with solo episodes here for all of you. And it just means the world to me. If you could take a couple minutes to leave a review, to leave a five-star review, scroll down on your app if you're listening to this on your phone and at the bottom, there'll be a spot for you to write a review and you can do that in just a couple minutes. It helps a lot with the algorithm and helping me reach more people. I also want to share something exciting uh, before we dive into today's episode. I've been teasing over the last couple weeks or months that I'm working on some projects behind the scenes, and a lot of that is starting to come into fruition. I'm starting to be able to share with you. So I want to share one exciting piece with you. By the time this episode is out, the wait list is officially open for the next round of my signature Break Free from Sugar group program that is going to be opening for the next cohort in January. So this is very exciting. This is actually the first year I'm gonna open up early bird registration in the next week or two here for those who are only on the wait list. So get your name on the wait list. You can find the link to just learn about the, the program, get your name on that wait list so that you can be the first to know when that early bird registration opens. I'm gonna be opening up some space in my calendar for free consultations, which I normally don't do. For anybody who'd like to learn more about the program and possibly join, save some money, jump in and save your spot in that January cohort of the program. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited to share all the details because I, I upgrade this program every single time I host it. And as I'm learning more, as I'm honing my skills, we're getting more and more into the body, into somatic practices, into the deep, real healing that really lies at the root of our addictive patterns with sugar. So I'm very excited for this round happening in fresh in 2024. So get your name on the wait list. Don't wait. Again, the link is in the show notes below. All right, let's dive in to today's episode. You're on the edge of your seat. You're like, what are these four best practices? Now I want to, as I mentioned earlier, I didn't very much on purpose, did not call this episode the four habits. This is a word, right? Habits are great. Habits are necessary for getting things done every day. These are the automatic things that we do every day without spending much thought, right? Like brushing your teeth in the morning is a habit. Making your morning coffee might be a habit, right? Eating something sweet after every meal may be a habit, right? These are things that we often do mindlessly. So this is exactly why I am not using the term habit here. I'm using the word practices because these four things that I'm going to share with you actually need your attention and your intention. These practices really are involving you in being intentional with making space in your weeks to do them, in your days to do them, to take the action needed because we know now, if you've been listening to the show for a while, hopefully you know this now, that your relationship with sugar and food is never going to change if you don't take action. This is not about just listening to more podcast episodes or reading the next book that's going to solve your problems. It's about taking action. So these practices are not habits. They take effort. I'm not going to lie to you. They take effort. They take planning. They take effort. They're going to take your commitment. They're going to take you making a commitment to being successful in your food journey. This healing with food and with yourself doesn't just happen automatically. This doesn't just happen while you're sleeping. You don't just read a book on breaking up with sugar addiction and all of a sudden you're cured, right? And that you never have problems or cravings again with food, right? That 
is an ongoing process, an ongoing thing that we do have to be aware of, you know, and in the beginning of this journey, if anybody's maybe in the beginning of your, your sugar freedom journey, it's a lot harder. It takes more effort, right? To get started. Everything feels harder and that's okay. It gets easier over time, but these are practices. So I just really wanted to touch on that because the word habit really implies that we're being mindless about something. So here you're, you're not, you're actually being intentional with your mind in making this commitment to do these practices so that you can be successful and that you can finally get off of this roller coaster and find that lasting sense of peace and freedom with food from the inside out. Now, that's not to say that eventually these practices won't become habits, but in the beginning, they're going to take effort, right? But eventually they may become somewhat automatic. They may become just who you are. They may just be, you'll become that person who does all four of these things, right? Effortlessly every week, right? It's still going to take maybe planning and booking in your calendar and creating space, but it may become really effortless. So in that regard, they may eventually become habits, but in the beginning, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you, right? This takes effort. And these things that I'm going to share with you, they're, they're really simple, but they're not always easy to do, right? And to implement because we come across all of our baggage, all of our mental blocks and our ego and our resistance and all the things that are there to keep us safe and, and prevent us from doing anything that's out of our comfort zone, right? There's a lot of uh, protectors in, in place that keep us small, keep us stuck. And that's why you're still stuck. You know, you're still in the sugar roller coasters because of those protectors. So we need to step out of the comfort zone. And that's what most of these practices are actually going to be helping you to do. All right. Do you want to know what these practices are? Who's ready? I wish we were live in person so I could see all your hands go up. All right, let's, let's dive in. Number one, practice number one is, drum roll, da 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 spending time alone. Spending time being introspective and reflecting on your inner landscape, your inner world. Now, this is time alone in stillness, time alone in silence, ideally. This is creating space every single day to have some time for yourself to be with yourself. Now, I'm not talking about sitting on the couch reading a book or listening to this podcast. This isn't self-care time. This is intentional reflection time. And more than reflection is just introspection, right? Reflection is almost like reflecting back perhaps on your day, right? Or reflecting back on your week or your life, right? To take the lessons and to take the growth and the opportunities there for you. But introspection is more about getting you in your body, right? Being really curious about your current patterns, your current limiting beliefs, your current blocks that are, that are keeping you hooked on sugar and your current emotions, right? Your current emotional state. This is very important. This self inquiry, right? Is, is inquiring into your true nature, inquiring into what is really going on under your surface, right? And it's going to be different than what's going on for me and what's going on for your best friend and your colleagues. So this conscious time to introspect and to even just be in silence. I mean, think about that. When was the last time you were actually in silence? Actually silent. 
no traffic noise, no TV on in the background, no music playing, right? This is such a rare gift in this day and age is to actually tune out noise and allow yourself to perhaps close your eyes and really invite an inward gaze, an inward look around of what's happening under the surface, what emotions are present, you know, what patterns are there, what old beliefs are there that are no longer serving you, what traumas and wounds are there that are ready to be healed. This is a huge part of our journey with food is looking at these wounds, looking at our childhood, looking at these pieces that we need to step slowly through in order to find that sense of freedom with food and within ourselves. So this self-inquiry is absolutely mandatory. You know, that what I see when I look around and I know I got caught up in this, and to be honest, I've been caught up on this in the last few weeks because I've been through a very intense period in my life with just everything happening at once. It was one of those things that I couldn't avoid. Um, I definitely make an effort to plan that to not happen in my life, but sometimes it just does. And I'm learning a lot from it. But what most of us do is live life in the busy zone, right? Which by the way, is another way that we avoid feeling and being in our body and actually going into the root causes of why we're binging on sugar and we can't stop. So in order to actually get into some of that stuff, we have to learn to slow down. And this is part of the process of that, of learning to slow down is taking time alone and being really committed to this practice. And that might just be for you right now, five or 10 minutes a day. And it might be like first thing in the morning before you leave your bed or last thing at night, or maybe it's in the middle of the day in your car where you can have some peace and quiet from the craziness happening in your house, right? Creating this space for yourself, you know, maybe in nature, right? Or, or in other sacred spaces where you can really drop in and be with yourself to begin getting to know who you really are. So the truth is most of us have completely lost who we are. We've been taught by society to be someone else and to fit in a box. And if we ever want to climb out of that and fully feel free and embodied and connected and in love with ourselves, we have to begin by being curious about who we are and what's going on. So this also encompasses bringing in some embodiment practices. I know we've talked a lot about this a couple episodes ago. I can't remember the number now off the top of my head. We talked all about somatic embodiment. We've, we've been talking more and more about embodiment and about the importance of getting out of our head and into the wisdom of our body. And this is a big part of this alone time. You know, in the beginning for months, you're probably going to be spending this alone time with your thoughts. But over time, and if you are working with a somatic therapist or, you know, you're joining one of my programs and you're doing some of this work with me, you're going to begin dropping into the body, right? And you're going to draw, start building trust and connection with your deep wisdom and your intuition and the truth of what you are ultimately escaping from or hiding from using food. And in that we can, we can really do some deep repatterning in the nervous system and thus in the neural pathways in the brain by first getting into the body. So this alone time may also invite in some of those embodiment practices. I know for me, one of my favorite things to do is be in my sauna and actually uh, chanting. So voice activation, which is a very embodiment for me, a, a very powerful way to get into my body and out of my head and to get into sometimes a trance like state just with the the heat and the sauna and the fire and the music and the voice activation 
Another great way to do that is dance. Um, so there may be some embodiment practices that you bring into this alone time. It's not necessarily about having to be perfectly still in meditation. It's literally just about getting, going inward. So whatever it is that helps you go inward, right? At least beginning that journey, which again, for many of you, that journey inward is going to start in the head because that's where we spent our whole life. We know how to be in our head, right? And then over time, you can gradually start stepping into what's going on in the body and reconnecting those two pieces. All right, so that's number one, time alone, introspection time for yourself every day with no distractions and ideally in silence, or if you are using music, right, to, to do some, some other practices that feel aligned for you. Breast practice number two, let's move right along here. Number two, this is also something that may blow your mind because most people don't think about this, but when we think about giving up sugar. We think about healing our relationship with food, right? And for many of you listening who maybe have never done this before, it's terrifying. It feels like it's going to be one of the hardest things you've ever done in your life. And the truth is a part of that is because we as a society have become so soft, so soft. And not that soft is a bad thing, but we do not know what it feels like to do hard things. So number two here, best practice number two is practicing, actually intentionally practicing doing hard things. When we do this, you increase your resilience, both mentally and physically, right? When you think about, you know, maybe training for a marathon or lifting heavier weights at the gym, right? You're really building more resilience every time you push yourself out of your comfort zone. So that's what we're doing here is building major resilience, right? The more hard things we do, and I'm going to share some examples, the easier those hard things become. So if giving up sugar or even just going a week without sugar feels impossible, or it feels like you're going to have nothing left if you give up sugar, or this is going to be so hard, right? And maybe the detox process is hard. It feels hard. You've got a headache, you're tired, right? Your bowel movements are all over the place. All the detox symptoms that are totally normal, a part of the process as your body rebalances, right? That you might not have the mental or physical stamina to walk your way through that if you're not used to doing hard things. And like I said earlier, this is a, just a byproduct of the world that we live in right now. Everything is easy. You might be like thinking I'm crazy. Danny, everything's really hard. Just like life is hard. But when we think of the history of humanity, we are not having to go forage for food. We are not necessarily living through crazy wartime. We are not all, you know, being wiped out by smallpox. Like we have it pretty good. We can order food to our house on an app. We don't have to leave our homes ever, right? Like there's so many comforts with technology and with the world that we live in that have prevented us from actually having to do hard things. Even going outside to get firewood in the middle of a blizzard, like we don't do that anymore. Everything's delivered right to our door or everything's, you know, we can get in our warm, cozy car, right? We just, we do not have the, the same level of human resilience that we used to. And this is a problem. We're all becoming mush, right? And spending time just watching news and watching and being on Instagram. And I recognize this in myself, you know, when there's days when I'm just so lazy and just don't want to do anything, 
because everything seems so hard. And I know that that's my conditioning from the world that I live in, in like these small little things can feel so hard. And that's actively something I am intentionally working on is doing more difficult things so that I can personally build this resilience and know that when life gets hard, I can actually handle it better. So the more hard things you do beyond changing the way you're eating, the easier changing your eating will become. So these are things like, obviously what's hard for you is going to, is different than what's hard for me. But for example, I've seen with a lot of my clients, some really potent ways to start would be setting boundaries. I know this is a huge one for a lot of you out there, right? Stop people pleasing and start setting boundaries, starting to say no, right? Prioritizing yourself. This can be one of the hardest things. Um, you know, tagging into practice number one would even be slowing down, like doing less each day. For a lot of you, that will feel really hard, right? It'll feel really hard to even spend time alone in silence with yourself, right? So that in itself may be one of these practices. Another one that I absolutely love, love, love is cold water therapy. So this is a, a practice that not only strengthens your mind and your connection with your body, but your nervous system. This is really important when we're working on repatterning these felt sense of safety in our body around a regulated nervous system, regulating our nervous system. Um, this is a powerful somatic practice is actually getting into the mental stamina it takes to be committed to a cold water practice, right? whether that's cold showers or ice dips or ice baths um, or in the ocean, you know, in whatever way that you're able to do this, it does take a lot of mental stamina. You are not going to want to do it. And it is going to suck in the beginning. But the more you do it and the more you really practice, you know, for me, it's, it's such a beautiful meditation practice to be in a very discomfort, uh, physical discomfort, but to be able to keep my mind calm. And that takes practice for sure. For sure, it's a hard practice. And I know a lot of you listening are thinking, that's the last thing I'm going to do. I hate being cold. Um, therefore, it's probably the thing that you need to try. So cold water therapy is a powerful tool, not only for mental resilience and really that sense of, I know whenever I go, uh, I have a river nearby where I live and now shifting into fall and winter, it actually feels like a cold plunge. So I'm really grateful for that. And, and whenever I get out, I just, I feel alive. I feel like I've just done the hardest thing possible and I, I accomplished it and I've overcome it and I'm still, I'm stronger because of it. And just that energy and those thoughts such a potent way to start my day. I love doing this in the mornings and kind of start my day just totally jazzed and energized. Like I just did something really hard. Um, and actually on that note, this is a really beautiful practice for the mornings. You know, doing something really hard first thing in the morning helps you feel really accomplished for the rest of the day. So a couple other hard things that you may want to try, maybe a day without technology. I know this is a hard thing for me, you know, a day without your phone, a day without TV or Netflix. Uh, maybe it's just a full day where you're not on technology, you know, and seeing what that brings up to actually be with yourself. Another hard thing for many, many of us is feeling. So even just stepping into commitment to feeling more, right? And that may naturally come as you spend more time in stillness with yourself, some time alone, but beginning to step into those difficult feelings, right? The, the painful feelings, maybe it's anger, maybe it's grief, maybe it's sadness, right? Maybe it's some things coming up. And then another great one here is to 
commit to having hard conversations. I know in interpersonal relationships, we all are carrying something that needs to be said, whether it's with a friendship or your boss or your loved one, right? There's always something that you're like, oh, this person, you know, I need to clear the air here. And we avoid that because we're conflict adverse because we suck at doing hard things. So this may be a great place for you to start. Have hard conversations, right? Have that hard conversation that you have been putting off forever, right? Book a time to do it. And, and you know, obviously there's, there's a lot of ways that we can do that. <laughs> We're not going to get into that rabbit hole. But that's just another example of something that might feel hard that needs to be done for your voice to be heard, for you to be able to release what needs to be said, right? And to engage in a conversation with that other person. So there's just a couple things. Obviously, there's so many things that you may think are hard that are actually really healthy and really supportive in your growth journey. So I'm inviting you here with practice number two to do hard things. Do more hard things. Do those hard things. Maybe that's getting up at 5 a.m., right? Maybe it's getting on a sleep schedule, right? And actually being in bed at nine and getting up at five. Like maybe that's really hard for you, right? So committing to whatever that looks like for you. And then let's move on. Let's move on to practice number three. Success practice number three is meal planning. We can't talk about being successful in our food freedom journey without talking about meal planning. This is one of the most important, this one is a habit, um, not yet. It is an intentional practice and it can become and should become a habit. You must have some sort of meal planning and or meal prep practice in your weekly life if you ever hope to be successful at continuously eating healthy foods. I see this time and time again, and I even catch myself the weeks where I don't plan anything. I'm always, always more likely to order takeout or just cook something quick and unhealthy that just gets the job done quick. Having a practice which by the way, does not need to be intense. It does not to be, need to be all consuming. It can be literally prepping two meals for the week ahead on a Sunday. You know, it doesn't have to be everything. And, and I know we see all these Instagram accounts with all this fancy meal prep and everything's in little containers and ready for the week ahead. That's not for everybody, right? And you might be starting at ground zero, having never meal planned before. And um, you want to really start small with this practice. Maybe it's one meal a week that you prep and you cook a double batch so that you can eat it a couple times that week or put some in the freezer. But having some sort of consistent practice where you are committed to planning and or preparing nutritious meals for yourself is absolutely necessary to, for long-term success. And eventually this just becomes who you are. I mean, I'm so grateful I'm at that stage now where, you know, whipping up something healthy in the kitchen, even if I don't have an actual plan written on my whiteboard is effortless, right? It's, it's pretty simple. And I know what to do. It's a second nature. Now it's in my bones. It's in my cells. It doesn't take a lot of effort for me because I've been practicing like a crazy person for over seven years. This is not something that came naturally to me before. And I share that because I want you to know if this feels really difficult for you, that it is possible. You just need to practice, right? You need to be intentional with this practice of meal planning. And even, even just the bare minimum of sitting down once a week could be on a Wednesday. It doesn't have to be a Sunday. And planning what a couple meals that your family is going to eat this week, literally just writing it down and then making your grocery shopping list 
That in itself is such a success tool because you will have a plan, right? You know what you're going to do and you're going to be less likely to go rogue and get lazy. You're going to be like, here's my plan. I have the ingredients to make this taco soup, so I'm going to make it, right? It is such a simple mindset hack that really works wonders just to have the plan, right? And it removes so much stress. I don't know about all of you listening, but I remember back before I started this journey and even in the beginning, I would spend so much mental energy every single day worrying about what I was going to eat and when I was going to eat, right? Oh, what's for breakfast tomorrow? I have no idea. I'm feeling really uninspired. What am I going to take for lunch at work? Ah, then I got to get home at five. What the heck, what am I going to cook for dinner? It was nonstop, nonstop exhaustion. Literally taking those five minutes to plan out your week can give you your mind back, whether or not you actually cook those meals even, right? Maybe step one is just intending to cook those meals and that's okay. So that is very important practice number three. All right, the final one, food freedom success tip number four is fasting. Fasting, intermittent fasting. This also falls into the category of maybe doing really hard things for some of you, right? Going without food intentionally. Now, the reason this is here is not just for physical success, right? Intermittent fasting actually helps our body over time, whether you're doing intermittent fasting or longer fasts, supports our body in switching into fat burning mode, right? Switching into learning how to burn fat for fuel instead of always just burning carbohydrates and sugar for fuel. And this is what it means to be metabolically flexible. As human beings, we're meant to be able to burn both fuels. And most of us have been sugar burners, running on sugar our whole lives, and we need to retrain our body, remind our body that it also has the capability of burning fat. So we do this through intermittent fasting. There's billions of benefits to fasting practices. And I'm not going to go through all of those here, but just to mention that physically on your food freedom journey, fasting is really important. Now, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not, please do your research when it comes to fasting, especially as women, we do need to pay attention to our cycle as we fast, if you still have a menstrual cycle. Um, Actually, we've had Dr. Mindy Pels on the podcast a few times now. Uh, You can look back for those episodes and definitely dive into those. She shares all about how we're supposed to fast in, in reference to our cycle as women, which is really, really important. There are certain times of the month we should not be doing longer fasts. And really just being very careful to not push yourself beyond what you're able to do. If you've never fasted before or intermittent fasted, it's very important to go slow into that and to make sure that you are not just hearing me talk about it here and then jumping in. I don't want you doing more harm to yourself. Please do your research, you know, really look into what is going to work for you and what feels right for you. But for me, The intermittent fasting has been so important for a couple reasons. Number one, I've already mentioned, right? It's the the actual physicality of my body learning how to go without food forces it to burn up the sugar stores in my liver and in the cells. Obviously, this doesn't work this way for everyone. You know, if you have insulin resistance and you have diabetes, there might be some other caveats here for you to research and, and, you know, talk to your, your medical professional about. 
But ideally, right, it's getting in that fat burning zone as well as kicking into autophagy, which is the like spring cleaning for your cells. Your body can finally stop digesting food, take a break from focusing on your stomach and your intestines and actually get into your cells to do a clean sweep, vacuum the cobwebs out, right? Which is actually taking dead cells, toxins, actually getting things flushed out of your body. We have these processes. We don't need to do incredible cleanses with bentonite clay and spirulina and, and, you know, juice fasts. These are all can be potent tools, but we also want to remember that our body has the wisdom to clean itself up if we give it the space to do that. But most of us don't. We're constantly putting food in our body. We're not giving our body enough time to kick into those processes of cleansing. So that is very important. And then on the other side, one of the things that really is why this is in in this list of best practices is because when we go without food, right, when we consciously skip a meal, it forces us to really deeply connect with the signals of our body and what our mind is doing when it comes to food. So what I mean by this is it's fascinating when we get into a fasting practice, especially if you're doing extended fasts. Uh, At the time of recording this podcast, I actually just broke my 18-hour fast, um, which is not necessarily extended. I'm going to do a 24-hour one later this week. When we do that, we actually have to face why we're dreaming about food, right? Why are we hungry? And start really building a different relationship with mental hunger versus actual physical need for nutrient hunger. So there's a mental hunger, there's emotional hunger, which I think most of us are, is why we're eating. And then there's the real physical need for nutrients. And it's fascinating when we remove food as an option, we get to really tune into those signals in our body and understand a deeper level of how they show up for us right? It's going to be different from in my body than your body. But the only way you're going to be able to know those cues and to understand when you're emotional eating versus actually eating for nutrients and the subtle difference in how that feels in your physical body, you have to go without food in order to really, really tune into that. And not to say there's not other ways that you can do that, but this is one of the most powerful ways and the quickest ways that I've seen really, really makes you introspect. Coming back to practice number one, all of these are connected, right? Introspect in what is going on with these cues. My stomach is grumbling. Is that just because it's empty or is it because it's hungry? Also, most of us have no idea what that difference is, right? An empty stomach doesn't mean we need new nutrients. An empty stomach is a good thing. It's okay for our stomach not to be working 24-7 and have food in it, right? But many of us can't tell the difference in our body. An empty stomach feels like hunger, but it's not. So it really gives us this opportunity to reflect on some deep inner wisdom and signals in our body, as well as the mental pieces around why we're eating. I remember when I first did my first extended fast, I think I did about a 48 hour fast. Um, and I remember feeling really great. Like I remember just going about my day, um, you know, doing things and not feeling hungry. Like I remember just being great. I was good. I didn't need food. I wasn't hungry. I wasn't like having any crazy physical symptoms, but the moment I got home and I saw food on the counter, I immediately got hungry. And I was really interesting for me because my body was fine until I saw food, right? And it became this mental battle of I should eat. 
right? My body was telling me it wasn't hungry, but my mind was like, oh, there's food. I want to eat it. Right. And maybe I was also having some difficult emotions come up and, and there was some emotional eating patterns there for me. So there's lots of these cues that can show up. And it's just, again, this beautiful experiment that we can go on in understanding our bodies better and understanding our hunger and understanding our cravings for food and for sugar. And it's really, really eye-opening. So this is why fasting is here on this list of practices. Okay, let's recap. Let's recap the four best, most important practices for success, for long-term sustainable success on your food and sugar freedom journey. Number one is to create space to be alone. Time alone for introspection with yourself every day. Number two, do more hard things every day. Do a hard thing every day. Do it first thing in the morning. Number three is meal planning. Meal planning at least once a week to prep yourself for the week. Whether or not you actually do meal prep, even just writing down what you're gonna be eating for the week is so powerful, so powerful. And number four is fasting. Starting yourself off with with smaller intermittent fasts and then building up possibly to longer fasts, two or three days, or even more, who knows, right? So those are the four practices that I want you to commit to. And instead of taking them all on at once, what I wanna leave you with here as we wrap up this episode is a invitation to pick one. Pick one of these four practices that you can start focusing on this week. It's Tuesday. This episode is coming out on a Tuesday. You still have most of the week ahead of you to pick one of these practices to commit to. Whether it's your daily time alone practice, five minutes in the morning, maybe it's doing a cold shower, doing something hard every day for the rest of the week, or meal planning, right? Doing your meal plan for next week or for the rest of the week or trying intermittent fasting, right? Pick one of these that feel the hardest to you. I would, I would like to challenge you to pick the one that feels the hardest, feels the most foreign, feels the scariest, because that's probably the one that is going to support you the most in your journey here with food. And then come and tell me about it. I'd love to hear from you. Write a review here on the podcast. Let me know your biggest takeaways from this episode or come and send me a message on Facebook or Instagram. I'd love to hear from all of you and keep this conversation going. Thank you so much for tuning in. This was a really fun episode to record and I hope that you are feeling inspired to dive into some of these practices and begin seeing shifts, actually not not seeing shifts, feeling the shifts in your relationship with yourself and thus your relationship with food by starting to implement these. And of course, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, I want to remind you quickly again that the waitlist is officially open for my signature 10-week Break Free from Sugar program. The next cohort starts in January, and I'm opening up early bird registration, which includes a discount and some incredible bonuses for those who are on the wait list only. So come and get your name on that list. You can find the link below in the show notes. And I cannot wait to see you all, hopefully in that program. But if not, we'll see you here definitely on the show, same time, same place next week. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Have a beautiful week. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. 
If you're loving what we talked about today, please remember to subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with someone you love. And if you're ready to dive deeper into discovering your root causes and patterns that are keeping you hooked on sugar, be sure to check out our brand new free workshop series that will help you kick emotional eating for good. Find the link to download this free series and other amazing resources in the show notes below.